children of appropriate ages welcome to the between two birds podcast i'm your host cody colston and i'm connor garcio and welcome to the show uh later on after the break we have a special guest this podcast uh cashburn alley's very own bill bear you could also find him in roto world and nbc's hardball talk that's what it is uh, so it's going to be exciting today <laughs> our first real guest our first non-bsr related guest yes exactly uh although we we do appreciate jake english and uh trevor for coming on uh in past couple episodes but uh it's nice to bring in someone from the outside and get their pick their brains um well moving jumping right in to some oriole news uh day aza is day gone uh, he was traded to the Red Sox for cash considerations and Joe Gunkel, who Connor, who, who is, as far as Connor is concerned, is not a real person. He's not. <laughs> I, I have yet to see proof that he's a real person. Um, does does his scouting report mean anything? No. Um, <laughs> I've watched enough episodes of Catfish to know he is not a real person. <laughs> uh, um, Gunkel, as Minor league wise, he only made it up to Triple A as of recently. He is uh, 23 years old. He is six six, two twenty five, right hander, um, and according to the scouting report, he has a low three quarters arm slot, a uh, fastball that hits eighty, that goes eighty eight to ninety two, uh, a big slider, seventy nine to eighty two, and a changeup eighty to eighty four, and uh, he has solid career numbers. And it looks like the the Red Sox were slowly moving him to be a reliever. Um, if you look at his uh, his stats as of late, but uh, he looks like Darren O'Day light to me, which is fine with me. Um, Darren O'Day is like kind of good at baseball. <laughs> he's he's kind of good at baseball. It's kind of good. Kind of yeah. good. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can never have uh, enough pitching, as they always say. Um, they say he has potential to be a back of the rotation starter, but. Um, more than likely, he's going to end up in the bullpen. Um, if that uh, you have to put him where he provides the most uh, uh, most value, and it'd probably be in the bullpen um, because he only has three pitches. I mean, if you got, if you're going to be a starter, you got to have. Uh, I would say, well, you have to have three good pitches and then maybe a fourth. But as far as it concerns, his changeup is. Got anything to add? Um, it's Mr. Mr. Gunkel, if if that is your real name. <laughs> um, I mean, back of the end bullpen kind of guy can never hurt to have those kind of extra guys like waiting around in the minor leagues for a spring training to come around and um see what they can deliver to the team in case of injury or trades or if he does good to throw them in the trade somewhere and just work them. So far as his depth, I think he went to Bowie. So probably because he was a he was a double A for the Red Sox. Yeah, I'm probably going to check him out there. See what's see what's going Anybody on. Anybody but him. Jason Garcia in the bullpen, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I completely forgot about Jason Garcia. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I feel like his injury has gone on a little too long. Oh well, that's what we said about Michael Iamonzari, wasn't it? Well, he, but they actually like got rid of him and got him back in the trade. With, yeah, that was um, weird. They traded for the rights because it was in the Jamal Weeks trade. The, the Weeks trade for um, Kelly Johnson, which yeah. I still don't get because they're basically the same player. And the Red Sox still have Weeks, I think. He's uh, in, yeah, he's in their yeah, minor league somewhere doing something. He's he's Jamal Weeks. And... He's, uh, he's aspiring to be his brother. <laughs> oh, a, a 4A player just like Ricky? <laughs> Well, Ricky surprisingly just stays in the league. I don't get him. 
and now he's with the Mariners. Like the yeah. Mariners just like pick everyone up when they're like on their last leg. Like Andy Chavez, Richie Sexton, um, Ricky Weeks. Who's another guy? I'm trying to Seth Smith. I think kind of um, yeah. Willie Bloomquist. Bloomquist has been playing for the Mariners for like 60 years. I'm not even. <laughs> I saw him when the uh, or Mariners came to Baltimore. I was like, there's no way this guy is still playing baseball. <laughs> He's he's the Julio Franco of the Mariners. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Justin Ruggiano. A funny story about Justin Ruggiano. He like. He doesn't struck... seem like he's that old. He feels like he's old. I feel like I've been hearing his name forever. Uh. And um. Yeah. While you look up his. Um, he's thirty-three. Age, he's middle. He's average. He's he's it's... only he's only had. He's only been in the league one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven. He's only actually had major league experience uh, seven of his career years. Yeah, I mean, when uh, he struck out, and it was the Thursday game. It was the one where it was like raining and cold. Um, when like they have an hour long rain delay, so I was sitting in like the front row behind the camera well, and he like struck out and he yelled, "God damn it!" And he like threw all this stuff down like right in front of the bat boy, and the bat boy was like so scared. I I don't I don't uh. uh... I don't. Wow, I just had a brain fart. I don't know where I was going with that sentence, um, but <laughs> I do feel bad for Bat Boys because they have to deal with angry baseball players, and that's not a good thing, especially when probably half of them are on like HGH or something. Raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by Justin Ruggiano. <laughs> we have a we have a a a, a Bat Boy um, helpers meet. I don't know. Like, what's those um. What's those like groups that like me support group? We have a Bat Boy support group. That's it. <laughs> Need to get a Bat uh, Bat Boy and Girl, Bat People, Bat People support group. <laughs> bat persons. <laughs> bat. What? <laughs> I made myself laugh. <laughs> oh boy, that's bad. That's bad. That tells you how uh, how out of it I am. Um, uh, moving on, uh, Oliver Drake gets optioned. Uh, T.J. McFarlane, aka Porn Stash, is back. Aka Harry Carey. Aka. Um, I still never get over Harry Carey. <laughs> that for the Orioles. <laughs> I don't. It's so weird how he's just he just he just happens to be able to do a um, a Harry Carey. I mean, I mean, if you're from Chicago, I'm pretty sure you practice it every time you hear him and stuff. It's, like it's, if I was a like if I was a White Sox fan, I just do a uh, Hawk Harrelson everywhere I go. You yeah. can put on a board, yeah. You just walk around like Mar- when he did Mark Burley's no hitter. He's like, yes, yes, yes. What's that one WWE wrestler that's like his thing is just yes, yes, yes. I do not know anything about WWE. Well, that's your fault. TJ's uh, real name is Timothy. So we good, for, have Mike. good for him. <laughs> who who was Philip? Is that Mike Wright? Yeah, was it Mike Wright or um, Tyler Wilson? I don't know. One of them was. I don't know. Who who? We I can't believe we forgot after we just started. We la- we like laughed about it for a good ten minutes last episode. I don't know. Mike 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 is Dennis. It's Dennis. Wright. Dennis and then it's Philip Tyler Wilson. Philip. Dennis. Dennis and Philip. <laughs> That sounds like um. What's who are the two Canadians on South Park? Uh, Terrence and Philip. Terrence and Philip, Dennis and Philip for the Orioles. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Oliver Drake had pitched in five games for the Orioles. He had seven and two thirds innings, gave up five hits, three runs, uh, six walks, seven strikeouts. So, meh. But it was pretty cool that he got to pitch on Memorial Day, considering he was uh, he went to the United States Naval, Naval Academy. Yeah, and he shows promise for still being a youngish guy. Um, uh, he is twenty eight. Youngish guy. <laughs> um, I can see him back up sometime this year with the way pitching works and stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I just... like he'll like he'll be the first one to call from Norfolk when they. Have to bring up somebody and um him or Wilson normally yeah probably yeah uh, 
I mean, kind of a wash there. Uh, the only thing you're getting with TJ is TJ's younger, has more experience, can go more innings out of the bullpen, can start if you need him to. That's... Yeah, and uh, I guess he's our lefty guy. With well, if Mattis oh yeah, Mattis. Just... Yeah, we have to have a lefty in the bullpen with Mattis uh, getting suspended. I mean, I mean, we could have Andrew Miller, but <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't even go there. I don't, I'm not. Don't, don't just. Just don't even go there. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, other news. Uh, Buck Showalter gets his 400th win as Orioles manager. Um, he is currently – he got that a couple days ago, and he hasn't gotten another win. He wants to stop at 400, and <laughs> he wants to go out on top. That's – um. he's – been with the Orioles longer than he has with any other team, and he has more wins than any other team he's been with, which is pretty cool. The only other team that has a higher winning percentage is the Yankees, which is sad. Eh, eh, pretty, well, it's whatever, I guess. <laughs> um, and he has the boy. His uh postseason wins loss or is a lot better. He has a four six two. Win-loss percentage in the postseason with the Orioles. He only has 250 with the D-backs and 400 with the Yankees. Woo! <laughs> small sample size. Yeah, small sample size. Um, oh, wow. I didn't realize baseball reference has keeps track of um, challenges. I feel like that makes sense just because it's become such a big part of baseball. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They have all Bucks uh, challenges, which is kind of weird. I don't. I think he's challenged more than eight times, but apparently not. It feels like they always do. I think. Well, they they run out, but doesn't mean they challenge. Well, you have just... to do what what's cons- if it's a challenge or if it's an uh, umpire check or something like. Like that. you ask the umpire to check it, or you actually challenge it. Yeah, if they won't do it, you have to challenge or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's something like that. Right. Um, moving on. Uh, Weeders is supposed to. There was a report not too long ago. Weeders is supposed to make a comeback this Friday. He was at a Norfolk game um, earlier today, as we we're recording this. I forgot to mention the date. It, as we we're recording this, it's six three, or June third, twenty fifteen. Um, but today, Weeders was in a game for Norfolk. He uh, had he was batting left handed. He went the other way. Uh, from what I saw, that was the only at bat I saw, and it was a highlight. He went the other way while he's batting left handed. So that's always a good sign. Um, but he supposedly pitched, or not pitched, he caught a doubleheader. And then now, he, if he, now if he pitched, that'd be more impressive. <laughs> well, he was a pitcher in college. He was a closer. I feel like every baseball player was a pitcher in college. That's what they always say. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he uh, he caught one game of a doubleheader, and then he DH'd the next, I believe. Well, that's what the report was. Um, uh, Ed, it, catcher's not where we need help, I mean, to be honest. It'd, it'd be nice if Weeders can come back and DH for a couple games, which is probably what he's going to do, and Caleb yeah. Joseph catches. Yeah, I feel like they'll just switch them on and off, or Weeders catching or DHing, and then probably like a day off here and there. Yeah, and that, that's strange because, I mean, are we going to carry a third catcher because you can't have your catcher in the lineup in DH because then if you need to take your catcher out, you can't. You, need you lose DH. DH. Yeah. Who would they send down in his place, though? Would it be a pitcher or would it be a position player? Hmm, that's a good question. Like, you could risk losing. I mean, with the way the infield is now, do you risk not having, like, a, a Cabrera guy there? Or, I mean, like, a, um, I don't know who all his options off the top of my head or not. Like, if I can just pull up. Or do you risk not having a guy like McFarland or Drake in the bullpen? True. Because you need three catchers, because Matt Weeders can't catch every day yet. Like, you, could you risk not having, uh, maybe like a, because they only have four outfielders now. Right. Uh, it's, maybe it's someone goes on the DL. I think that's what might happen. Maybe you could get a, 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 a get get one of those little back spasms. Yeah, if someone gets a back spasm. Probably Pierce. Pierce should be a candidate to hit the DL. There's there's something off with Pierce, and I feel like it, it probably is. A... It's his swing. I th- I saw something the other day. I can't remember, and I apologize. I can't remember. It's um, he he something is changed with his swing. It look it like personally, it does look like he messed with his swing. It's like out a lot of funk now. It seems like he's trying to to 
hit a home run every time pretty much. It's like a his swing kind of reminds me of David Lowe in the fact that it's like an uppercut swing now. Yeah. So I think that's that's kind of what it's what it is. I Which, mean, he's technically doing good then. He's hitting home runs, but he's just not hitting anything else. Yeah, I mean, he's hitting like 188. 188. Okay. He was hitting 189 and then it was like 185 or something. I can't remember. But yeah, there was a I did when I was uh, in charge of the BSR account for one of the nights of the game, I think it was uh, night before last, I pretty much compared um, Pierce's stats through June 1st um, to, to June 1st uh, last year compared to this year, and it's like completely different slash lines. Unsurprisingly, but it's still like how I, how does someone regress that much? I understand regressing, but then there's falling off a cliff. I mean, the way I kind of see it is maybe because Steve Pierce has had injury problems in the past. He wants to work on himself. Maybe he's just not saying something wrong Possibly. and wants to keep wants to keep playing because he's the kind of guy that will fight. He seems like the kind of scrappy kind of guy that will fight through that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot. That's that's I I hate when people do that. Just admit you have an injury and get it over with. Go to the DL. Yeah. Don't try to play through it because then you're either going to a end up making it worse or play yourself into a slump and you're just ruining and you're just um hurting the team as well because they could have a player up here who's producing and healthy yeah uh, it, it's it's just eh. um moving on but that's uh, just like an outsider's view right what what could be happening we don't know it's really wrong or anything yeah we don't have any sources this is just wild accusations with no support because that's what we do here um (laughs) that should be our new slogan wild accusations with no support (laughs) i like it (laughs) that no that's kind of like be uh bird's eye views um lack of insight and baseless opinion yeah that's true i don't know we have to we have to think of something more clever than that but uh, <laughs> moving on uh, for more MLB-wide news, the Mariners uh, today traded for Mark Trumbo. They sent uh, Vidal Nuno, that's a name uh, I haven't heard in a while. Mm. Uh, oh, no, no, the deal is Trumbo and Vidal Nuno from the D-backs to the Mariners for Wellington Castillo, Dominic Leone, and two prospects. They just got Wellington Castillo from the Cubs, too. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he's actually doing well, so I guess they're selling high. I guess. I mean, he came in for Mike Zunino last night because um he got tossed and he was yelling it, and then with Lloyd McClendon went on his tirade. Right. Um, the two prospects they gave up was Jack Reinmer, Reinheimer. I think that's how you say it, Reinheimer. I had no idea. <laughs> and then Gabby Guerrero. Jack Reinheimer apparently is like a utility guy, and uh, Gabby Guerrero is apparently one of those uh a a ball guys. So. That's um, it. Go ahead. The thing with like Mark Trumbo is, it's another home run hitter going to Safeco Field. Yeah, look and how that like, ha- turned out and, for Robinson Cano. Yeah, he has two home runs this year, and he's a pure home run guy. It's not like he gets a little base hit here and there. He's like kind of like Nelson Cruz, where yeah, he's, he he's all about his slugging. Yeah, that's all he does, and he hits the ball far. But Safeco Field's not a home run park. It's well, rainy I mean, and for wet. Nelson Cruz, it is. Well, Nelson Cruz can make the Grand Canyon a home run park. <laughs> um, I was completely off about him not hitting well there. But anyway, like Trumbo's an all-or-nothing guy, and you can't have that when you need guys to get on base um, when your offense is struggling. And then he's another uh, mediocre outfielder. If you put him in left and Cruz in right, and you ask why your pitching's not doing good, well, um, well, there's your problem. you got two slow corner outfielders. And I think Dave Cameron of Fangraphs pointed that exact thing out earlier i might just be quoting him on that now it's just you you've got this great pitching get defense and guys that can get on base yeah not guys that just go for a home run and or strike out and then play terrible outfield like the the mariners are really trying to play all or nothing ball like that's just it mm-hmm. and uh to to com- to go with that uh, what you said about robinson cano earlier uh robinson cano hasn't had an ops under eight since 2008 when he had a 715 OPS right now he has a 627 so I honestly think this is a down year for Robinson Cano which is not good for the Mariners considering they just signed him year before last to a deal up until he's 40 in 2023 
maybe the Orioles are on something with these no big contracts. <laughs> I have, you know what? I'm, I like, like the I, fact that the money isn't tied up, but God damn it. Do I want us to produce produce? Yeah. Like people are like, well, it's not my money. That's just the ignorance way of getting out of that argument. Yeah. But I don't know how I feel about big contracts because the teams that do them get screwed over in the end, like the Yankees or like kind of like the Phillies did with some of their players. Well, the Yankees haven't officially gotten quote unquote screwed over. I mean, cause they're still, they still lead the league in home runs and they're still fighting for first in the division. So well, well, they're, they are first in the division. Well, they sold their soul to the devil, I think. And that's just why they're good. You're thinking of the Cardinals. It's Cardinals no, devil the- magic. Well, the Cardinals produce their own players and just are amazingly good all the time. I don't know how. It's their double magic, but true. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's just, it's frustrating because you know that you don't want to give them that contract, but you want that production so bad. And sometimes you have to weigh whether or not getting that production short term is worth the long term loss. And I guess well, with Nelson Nelson Cruz, I agree with because four years at his age. But with Robbie Cano, I mean, a guy who just went over the hump. I mean, I, I mean, we we ragged on him earlier, but he's he's only he was only what he was only thirty one when he signed that contract, and they have him up until he's forty. So, at worst, he's probably got three or four years left. Or well, he's only he had three or four years since when he signed that contract. Best, he's got like six. Do you know if he has an opt out? Um, contract. I feel like he won't, wouldn't, because he'd want a full deal, because he knows he's not going to get another big contract. Uh, I don't. See, I'm looking at the Baseball Reference. Um, what they say, I don't see an opt out. It doesn't say if he has one or not. I know Stanton does after like four years, because he'll still be kind of young and can get a bigger deal somewhere. Yeah. And I, there's someone else. Grinky does, and it's after this season. It's opt out year. I think he will opt out and go. I don't know though because he likes to get he moves around a lot but I feel like he likes playing in Los Angeles and him and his wife love it so I don't know just try to hold the get more money out of the Dodgers it's probably like a he probably use it as a threat like either resign me uh, resign me yeah or uh, give him a bigger deal or I'm going to opt out of my contract and go somewhere else something like that he'll probably just it's probably just bargaining leverage yeah all right. Um, do you have anything else to say? Um, because we kind of went on a tangent there, talking about big contracts and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, about like, oh, kind of like with Trumbo, or well, just anything, just anything we just talked about, just anything you got to say. I mean, kind of like on the big contract thing. I know it wasn't what we were supposed to be talking about, but um, it's just like the Orioles had so many back in the early two thousands and late nineties to where. They put the team in a rut for a while, um, right. and now they've kind of gotten out of it. They're struggling now, but that's um, just, you know, whatever. It's an anomaly. Um, that's how I'm kind of seeing this season so far. And right. just, you know, they're bringing up these young guys. They're finally developing some guys. It's not a perfect system, but it's working. And, um, I mean, they got Hardy on a four-year, three, four-year deal. I mean, it's kind of iffy right now, but it's still two months into a three-year deal. Well, I like him here on the DL rather than playing for the Yankees. Let's put it like that. Exactly. That's how I see it, too. And the thing with, like, Marquegas and Cruz and Miller, Miller is an expensive reliever, but he's good, so it makes you think, was it worth it? Well, and he's Maybe. only really had, like, one and a half years where he was Andrew Miller, so it's kind of iffy giving a reliever who's only been who's only had a year and a half where he's been really good a long-term deal especially how volatile relievers are exactly and then the thing with Cruz is he's going to be 35 i think this summer yeah something it's, like that it's if a totally can... risky thing because it's until he's 38 39 years old but right. if he's DHing you, you you never know with, with baseball that's the sad part of it um or just the fact that you know Marquez is coming off the of neck surgery do we really want him you know, he already had limited range in right field. He was single slap hitter. Do you really need him in right field? The answer is really no, but you need his replacement. Yeah. So it's 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 definitely weird. It's it, it's yeah. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> I don't want to go too much too much yeah. further into it. Yeah. Um, uh, moving on, Connor is going to sit this one out. He can chime in if he wants to. But uh, Fallout Four for those non 
video game fanatics out there is one of my favorite video games and it's uh set in post-apocalyptic america and uh i i am in love with that game and its lore and they recently um, today they announced that they're making fallout 4 it's a uh, fallout 3 was like no fallout new vegas was like four or six years ago i believe which was the previous installment and now they have fallout 4 and it's set in boston in the year 2287 i believe something like that 2277 um and it's like 200 years after uh, atomic bomb drops and the whole world is an irradiated wasteland anyway uh since it's set in boston we get to see fenway park which I think is really cool, considering based off the screenshots and the trailer, it looks like there's a giant city inside a fortified Fenway Park, which is like the love child of two of the things I love. Um, and I love, I, it's just like, I get chills like looking at screenshots, as geeky as that sounds. <clears throat> but um, I'm going to be writing, writing an article soon about uh, looking at Fallout, the timeline, because... At the expense of sounding really geeky, somewhere at between 1945 and 1961, the something changes in the Fallout universe to make it go off a different path than what actually happens in real life. Um, and that's I'm wondering, like, how that, like, if everything were the Fallout universe, how would baseball history be different? If things didn't happen, if things were completely different since 1940 or since like 1950, like would the Orioles still be in, uh, would they still be in St. Louis? Would they still be the St. Louis Browns? You know, would uh, Hank Aaron have the home run record? Would um, I don't know? Would Ricky Henderson have the stolen base record? Things like that. I think it'd be an interesting thing to look at. Uh, so I've reached out to someone at Bethesda. And to see if I can get in contact with them and maybe work something out. Maybe have someone reaffirm some facts or uh, give me some new facts. Maybe. Probably not. But it'd be interesting to... I, I believe it'd be interesting to look at. Anything to say, Connor, on that video, scale? Video games. All right. We'll, we'll go with video games. Um, and finally, the last thing on our list before we go to break... Um, and uh, go to the... You get to hear us interview Mr. Bill Bear... Uh, Manfred, Fred Manfred, the beloved, quote-unquote, commissioner of the MLB, uh, he's, on bringing the DH to the end now, he said that, quote, would deprive us of the entertainment Bartolo Cologne has given us this year, end quote. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Bartolo Cologne is single-handedly keeping the DH out of the NL. Don't Whoa. you feel silly? <laughs> <laughs> he's finally serving a purpose outside of pitching <laughs> i mean he had a, he had a uh an rbi double the other day yeah um double let's <laughs> leave it at that <laughs> double quote unquote um it actually comes up in the uh the interview with uh bill bear uh, that, that was uh, pre-recorded. It's going to be pre-recorded and everything, so it, it's after the fact. It, well, we, we did that earlier, and now we're doing this. We're doing everything backwards today because that's the way things are. Uh, you have you have anything to say on that, Connor? I like the premise of um, like one side does one thing, another side does the other. When it's yeah, just... it makes actually makes the leagues have a purpose. Exactly, because when they play each other, you know, like the National League teams might bring up another hitter to put on the bench and they don't need an extra pitcher or something, or the ML, the AL team will need another pitcher because they won't need an extra bench guy, or we get to see David Ortiz play first base, or... <laughs> um, I don't think he's Barcelona. ever going to be doing that again. True, I don't know, because his range is like the size of like a pinpoint. It's the size of my desk. Like my art, my wingspan. That's how far David Ortiz. That's his range in the field. I don't know. It's it. It's not like other leagues were. Or well, I think it's only the NBA and the NFL that do leagues like that, and they have real no purpose other than the fact that, well, the NBA has a purpose because it's two different sides of the country, it's East and West. But the NFL has no reason to have two different leagues whatsoever. 
No. The only thing that matters really is the vision. So. Well, the Super the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, in the Super Bowl, that's yeah, interleague whatever. They don't play each other because I don't know. It's dumb. I mean, they do it like based on divisions and stuff. I think. Well, yeah, it's um the the schedule is comprised of you get uh two games against everyone in your division, you face. Um, one AFC division and one NFC division that comprises your schedule, and then in the A- and then whether or not in your league, um, you face the team that finished the same spot in their division as you did. So if you finished, so if it's the division is went last say last year it was Ravens Steelers and in the Broncos division it was Broncos Chargers, the Ravens would play the Broncos no matter what. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so. yeah, I, I kind of get that. Yeah, explaining football things to Connor. Love sports. Woo. <laughs> uh, uh, got a, anything else you want to say before we go to break? Um, Bartolo Cologne gives me life. <laughs> uh, oh, and uh, no segments today, unfortunately, because we uh, we didn't really plan it out and. Uh, we have this interview, which is I hope you, ladies and gentlemen, will approve of. Um, but yeah, that's it. We uh, stay tuned, and we will be right back with Bill Bear after this break.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. With us, we have Bill Bear, Roto World and NBC's MLB writer. How you doing, Bill? Good. Thanks for having me on. How are you guys? Great. Thanks you. So, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks you. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Anytime. All right. Um, we're gonna jump right into the questions. You want to start off, Connor? Um, actually, can you start off with the first one? And I'll, we'll just okay. go from there. Um. Right now, the Orioles have a 23-28 and 28 record. The big question um, Connor brought up to me a couple days ago was, have the Orioles been overachievers the past few years? Do you see them showing – are they showing their, their true colors this year, Bill? I think it's tough to say that they're uh, underperforming right now because they've had a number of injuries. Like, you think about Weeders, uh, Flaherty, Scope, uh, even Hardy. It's tough to – post a winning record when you're missing so many important guys like that. But even beyond that, when you look at like their uh, Pythagorean record, I don't know how familiar you guys are with that. Yeah. But, uh, basically it uses how many runs you score and how many runs you allow. And it tells you how many games you should win or should lose. So if you look at that over the last few years, they overperformed it in 2012. They were exactly at it in 2013 and they barely over overperformed it uh, last year. So if you're going for any one particular year, it's 2012. But even then, that was a very talented roster pretty much through and through, starting pitching, bullpen, offense. Uh, so I would say that 93 and 69 record they have is they had is more deserved than not. Right, right. Um, it's uh, we're, do you mind if we just hop in right in the question to the next question because that would that pretty much sums up everything. I mean, there's not much more to it than that. I believe. I believe uh, it's 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 very hard to to judge a team as a whole, and I believe I believe uh, right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I got the next question. All right, go for uh, it, Connor. Um. So recently, Manny Machado. I mean, last year he had the incident where he tossed the bat down to the third base side against the Athletics, uh, threw the helmet down when Donaldson tagged him. Um. And like a week or so ago, in the first game, the doubleheader against the White Sox, he kind of like threw his bat down when he struck out and was yelling at the umpire and he got thrown out of the game. Um, have you really ever seen a player do something like this where they've been like a top prospect, come up and perform well, but they kind of like an attitude problem about them? I don't know if I can give you any specific uh, details about that with other players, but I will say if you're doing that kind of stuff, like you're throwing bats and helmets and stuff, uh, as much as I like seeing emotion and personality in baseball, there's a line to be drawn. And especially when you're, if you're throwing equipment, you can actually hurt somebody. So that's just, uh, you know, it's not responsible. So I'd like to see him clean up that aspect of himself. But as far as like personality goes, he can certainly uh, express himself in, in different ways that would make him more palatable to fans. That's what I would like to see personally. Right. I, I wrote a piece on PSR uh, last week talking about it, like how I go into my job. I, I sure I get mad at my coworkers and my bosses sometimes, but I don't throw a hissy fit because I'm still on the clock. I have to act like a professional because people are watching and I have to hold myself to a. I, I feel like I have to hold myself to a higher standard. And I, I feel like that's what Manny should be doing. He's a, he's a, he's a major league baseball player, one of the young stars in the league and everyone has a bunch of eyes on him. Yeah. And you don't want to put anybody, anyone in danger. And even beyond that, uh, if he gets suspended, you know, an equipment penalty or whatever, he's suspended for a couple day, couple games, he's actually hurting his team. So yeah, maybe you strike out when you think you shouldn't have or whatever. Uh, but the big picture is you may actually cost your team a, a game or two uh, just by having a tantrum. Right, right, exactly. Uh, it, it, it's I feel like he used his get out the, the 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 he's just a young kid card after that A's incident. I think he got a pass on that because he's just young. But I think now after he had that, you expect him to learn from it and grow as a player and also as a person. But it just doesn't seem like it's clicking. Yeah, and it takes a while for some players. Like, you look at your Dino Ventura earlier this year with all the beanball incidents he was involved in. Uh, sometimes you just need – you either need to fail like he did uh, and have the media scrutinize you and other teams and players, 
or you need to have a teammate or a coach take you aside and say, like, this is how things need to be done. Right. And uh, I, I also talked a little bit about the medical aspect in it in, um, in, that, in the article I wrote. Uh, it's not until 25 that the brain fully develops like the frontal lobe, I believe, the prefrontal cortex that it deals with like impulse control and uh, and stuff like that. And Manny is only 22, so if, there's going to be room to grow. But I don't know, like it's when you draw that line. When is okay? It's it's you just need to grow up, basically. Yeah, there's definitely some science behind that. Uh... I wouldn't use that as like an excuse for anything he did. And I, and I don't think you were suggesting that. Uh, but ultimately what he does is on him. And if he doesn't shape up and fly right pretty soon, then he'll be more of a liability than an asset. Right. Right. It's a, eventually the public goodwill is going to run out. Right. And then he'll just be uh, public enemy number one. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, that. I, I, I do appreciate your thoughts on that, Bill. I, I very very much uh, agree with you on a lot of things you said. Um, moving on, uh, Delman Young used to play for the Phillies, although uh, whether or not he quote-unquote played for them should be, uh, I don't know if that's a really good term for Delman Young, but how do you feel about him have taking that everyday role player in uh, right field for the O's? I don't really think it's a good decision because he's not that valuable of a player where he can justify playing every day. Uh, if we just look at the things that he's doing well, it's one thing. It's hitting for average. It's mostly singles, uh, which can be fleeting. If you have a run of good or bad luck, uh, you're just completely valueless. He doesn't hit for power. He doesn't steal bases anymore. And his defense in the outfield is just deplorable which is amazing considering the type of prospect he was coming up. But I think he can be valuable as a platoon player, perhaps, or a bench player, but I don't think giving him uh, you know, six or seven starts a week is a good idea. Right. Uh, that's what he mainly was for the O's last season. He was he was a pinch hitter. Uh, sometimes he would play when there was a lefty. He hit he hit three oh two in that role with uh, seven home runs. You know, a, a three thirty seven OBP and a four forty two slugging. Um, but and and he had uh, about two hundred and forty two plate appearances. He looks like he's about to double that number of uh, plate appearances because he's he right now he has uh, one hundred and thirty two. He's still hitting three oh seven, but. It, you don't know how long that's going to sustain itself. No, and he has never really been a consistently high average type of player. Uh, when he was with the Phillies, I think he hit somewhere in the 260s. 261. Yeah, so he can be pitched around in a certain way where his weaknesses are exploited. And if he's just hitting singles, and uh, I don't really see a way that he can hit his way to justify a spot in the lineup. Right. I, I one thing I've always I, I've noted of Delman's game is that he he's a very much a first pitch swinger. Like if he sees a ball in the zone, first pitch he's going to swing as hard as he can, and yep. that that works sometimes, but not really all the time. I mean, it definitely helped in the the uh, the division series last year when he hit that uh, double, but it it's not good baseball wise to be first pitch swinging all the time. And, and that's the type of thing pitchers will pick up on. They'll get the scouting reports and see how often this guy swings at first pitch fastballs, how often he swings at first pitch breaking balls and his success and all that and so forth. So if his high batting average so far is due to swinging at first pitch fastballs, I don't know if it is or not, uh, but that would definitely be something that could go away very quickly. Right, right, definitely. All right, well, thank you again for your answer, Bill. Um, moving on, we're going to talk a little bit, we're going to move into more of the MLB spectrum, get a little broader here. Um, as of right now, if I'm reading the standings correctly, which I very, may, I very much may be, um, 10 and a half games separate about 12 teams in the American League. I said, what are your thoughts on that, and do you see that changing at all? Uh, I think the AL East as a whole is thoroughly mediocre. I think that makes up for a majority of, uh, of the cluster. Uh, I guess seeing as how they would be 5 of 12 teams. But uh, the Twins are a lot better than I thought they'd be, as are the Astros. I don't think anybody who published predictions going into the season had the Twins in first place nor the Astros. So those are definitely the uh, two big surprises. 
Um, as far as the underperformers, I think the Mariners and the Athletics have probably been the most disappointing. Uh, the Mariners, of course, getting uh, Nelson Cruz, who's been nothing short of amazing. But other than that, uh, they've been pretty me- mediocre through and through. I guess you can exclude Felix Hernandez from that. And then the Athletics with all their injuries, you know. Uh, so as far as AL goes, I think you'll see some distance uh, as the season goes on. You'll probably see the – I think the Twins will fall off. I think they'll regress a little bit. I think the Royals and the Tigers will move up a little bit. I think you'll see the, the Angels uh, eventually challenge for first place. So I think more or less uh, the teams on top now don't have any kind of a stranglehold on where they are. Right. Definitely agree with that. Um, of course, with the Nelson Cruz situation, as we found out last year, he can maybe good, but he he can't carry your offense um, all the time. Um, but he's I mean, the Mariners are 24 and 28. So that I mean, that speaks for itself right there. Yeah. Um, and you just look at Cruz and he's most of the power in that lineup. I'm looking at their stats right now. Uh, he has 18 home runs. The next most on the team is Kyle Seager with nine. Uh, Robinson Cano has two. So you you think their bangers on there would be up there with him, but it's basically him on a pedestal carrying the the offense. And I don't, I don't think that's something you can rely on over a full season. Definitely, definitely not. Um, funny you mentioned about thinking about the the Twins falling off because that that's the next question we have up. Do you think the Twins and Astros are for real? I I mean regression or no? I do think, especially for the Twins, uh, the the pitching has been. Uh, the biggest surprise out of pretty much anything in baseball this year, I think. Because you look at their two ERA leaders, Mike Pelfrey at 259, Kyle Gibson at 261. Uh, their strikeout rates are, per nine innings, are 4.4, 4.1. I mean, those are not the stuff of uh, Cy Young winners, and their wall rates aren't really anything to, to write home about. I think there will be significant regression for both of them. And their rotation beyond that is not really that impressive. Like you have Phil Hughes with a 4.59 ERA, Trevor May 5.07, Nolasco who was injured for a bit, uh, 5.51, and then Tommy Malone uh, 4.76. So that's not really a good rotation. And even if they were to somehow keep this going for a full season, if they somehow got into the uh, ALDS, mm-hmm. I, they would just get smoked with that rotation. Yeah, definitely. I think pitching. The emphasis on pitching is definitely amplified around playoff time. Um, I'm sure Oriole fans can attest to that. But uh, but what about the Astros? They're such an anomaly on offense, I think, because right now they have the fourth. Wor- they're tied for the fourth worst average in the entire league at uh, posting a team uh, two thirty nine. But they lead the uh, they're second in the league in homers. The Dodgers just recently passing them. The Astros have seventy one home runs. Yeah, they're pretty much an all-or-nothing team, and I think that's prone to uh, that makes them prone to slumps, which I don't think we've seen like a real prolonged slump from them yet, and it will probably come sometime in the next four months. Right. So as long as they're in, you know, a, a coin flippy kind of team, like heads or tails, you strike out, you hit a home run, or or whatever, uh, I think that makes them pretty prone to to bouts of bad luck, so to speak. Right, that definitely sounds like the O's. I mean, the O's are very much a, a power-oriented team, not so much about a, a base hits and small ball. Yeah, and as far as the pitching goes on the Astros, it's another rotation issue for me. Like with Dallas Keuchel, I think he's been great, which I think everybody would agree on. I don't think it's sustainable to the level he's been at, and then the rest of the rotation isn't anything to write home about. Colin McHugh has not been good. Roberto Hernandez has been you know, as advertised, mediocre. Scott Feldman, as advertised, mediocre. So if they were going to go into, like, a late-season playoff push or whatever, they would have to rely on those guys. That's just a risky proposition, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Moving on, Connor, you want to get the next question? Um, Yeah. A recent poll just uh, found out that 55% of people in America prefer pitchers hitting instead of a designated hitter. Do you think the DH is outdated, or... Should it be a balance or one or the other? Uh, I'm against the designated hitter. I don't know about you guys, but uh, <laughs> I really enjoy seeing pitchers hit. 
Like every Bartolo Cologne at bat this year has been like a must watch. Something <laughs> wacky has happened. His helmet's like spinning off or he'll hit a double, which would be an inside the park home run for, for any other base runner. <laughs> but it's a double for Bartolo Cologne. You know, that kind of stuff gives us some really good moments. Oh, yeah, I believe uh, Fred Manfred even said that uh, you know, I, something along the lines of I don't want to deprive the public of uh, what we've seen from Bartolo Colon this year in regard to the DH. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, I kind of do think the DH is outdated because, it, it, I mean, if you go back in history, I believe the DH was created so it prolonged the careers of the superstars and keep people interested but it also has to do with the factor, you know, that that's offense, and I don't, th- I don't see the DH going anywhere because of how much o- how it helps the offense, and like that's that's the big um, crowd pleaser is offense. It's it's always been in any sport, like they people want to see offense. So you take away the DH, you're uh, you're taking a, a big piece from the office offense, I believe. Yeah, and even to expand on that point with the offense going down the way it has over the last five years. Like, pitching and defense have really dominated the league lately. So if you take away the DH, you're just exacerbating the current problem, which even Manfred has said is an issue he's looking into. So if you were to take the Nelson Cruises and the Evan Gaddises out of the game, then, you know, you're looking at a pretty, uh, you know, base-to-base kind of offensive game there. But also... Uh, on a different point, you would never get the DH to go completely away because of the players union. The DH creates uh, such a money-making opportunity for players. So, if the union were to just let that go without fighting it, you know, millions of dollars would pretty much fly out the window. Uh, they would go to pitchers instead of hitters uh, because of the new run environment. So, uh, as far as you know, Nelson Cruz getting his uh, fifty or sixty million or whatever, that would no longer happen. Um, but, uh, I did men- I, I wrote this down because I wanted to bring it up on this subject. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this from a couple years ago, but, uh, there was a Phillies Giants game, Cole Hamels against Matt Cain, and they each hit home runs off of each other. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. 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 I remember that too. <laughs> so you would not have that moment if you, uh, if you put the DH in both leagues. So that, that would definitely be something I would miss. Well, I think a good point about every oh, about the DH too is that um, I think players are kind of themselves are anticipating the idea of the DH going away because you don't have a pure DH anymore. I mean, the Tomies and the Hafners aren't aren't there anymore. You ever all most DHs they can play a position. I mean, even Evan Gaddis can quote unquote play left field, and Nelson Cruz can quote unquote play in the outfield. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't see it going anywhere. But I think the the players have it in their minds that you know if it does go away, I need to have I need to be able to have a place to go. Right. Yeah, and it's funny. Uh, I would say even ironic that the player most suited for a DH role plays in the National League. It's Ryan Howard. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, he could be on an American League team this summer. Who knows? Uh, I bet you're hoping for that, aren't you? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> All right, um, you want to get the last question, Connor? Yeah, I just got one more point about the pitcher sitting kind of thing. Okay, go for it. I mean, like, you got guys like Grinky who really hit well. I mean, think, like, in 2013, Grinky hit, like, around 300. I know it's limited at-bats, but he still hit 300. Um, and, like, last year, the Orioles were playing the Brewers, and they lost in a walk-off situation, and Giovanni Gallardo got the walk-off hit. And that in itself is just insane to where you kind of want the balance, but it gets annoying as an AL fan to watch guys like Wei and Chen hit or back when the Orioles were really bad and they had Daniel Cabrera pitching and he'd just step out of the box every time a pitch came and he was like 0 for 19 in his career with like one walk. So there, yeah. I, I like a balance of it. Too. Yeah, if you actually had, if you took away the DH, then the pitchers in the AO would have to actually take batting practice and, you know, brush up on their mechanics for hitting. Eventually, you just have pitchers in the AL who always hit, and they wouldn't be nearly as uh, as ineffective as they are now compared to their NL counterparts. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's also interesting to see, like, um, a guy like Max Scherzer, since he moved from the AL to the NL this year, apparently he's 
been he worked so hard on like hitting in the offseason. He's been taking batting practice every day. He's been practicing running the bases. He's taking it very seriously. Max Scherzer has probably one of the best work ethics in the league, and it's crazy to see a guy go from not hitting for the majority of his career to uh, to all of a sudden, you know, going having to hit, getting himself ready, and actually does a pretty decent job at it. And what's funny about that is uh, it was at the end of April when uh, I think it was when Adam Wainwright had his uh, Achilles injury. Scherzer came out in the media and he said, you know, it would be good to have the DH in both leagues. So he takes it seriously, but I, he, I think he'd also like a return to uh, the AL style rules. Definitely, definitely. I definitely agree with that. Um, Connor, you want to go ahead with the next question? Um, yeah. Speaking of Phillies that are likely to be moved, um, Cole Hamels has been in trade talks ever since um, people can remember. Um, he would present a big you know, threat in a postseason race to a team that is just either on the edge or willing to take the next step. Um, and everyone breaks out their really bad trade rumors like, oh, we'll give you um, Cole Hamels for none of our top prospects, but he's a really good prospect nonetheless. Like, um, What do you think will happen to Cole Hamels before the trade deadline or at the trade deadline? What does he get moved for, and what would you want in return as a Phillies fan if they traded Cole Hamels away? I'll go out on a limb and say this. I don't think Cole Hamels will be moved uh, until the offseason. I don't think he gets traded at the deadline. Um as much as I would like to, and as much as the market speaks to the Phillies uh, getting a good return on Hamels, I don't think they'll have the offers that they want because it's a seller's market. There will be teams who will just settle for less and say, we'll go with what we got, or they'll go after, they'll trade for like a J-Hap or something like that. They'll settle for less. Um, and also waiting until the offseason will take about another uh, – if we prorate his salary for the final two months, it'll save about seven or eight million dollars, which is it sounds not that much, but it it adds up in the long run. He has uh, somewhere around like eighty million dollars remaining on his deal if he demands uh, his I think it's his twenty nineteen vesting option be picked up, be guaranteed. So if uh, the Phillies wait until the end of the year, the off season to deal him then prospective teams will have to pay Hamels less over the duration of his contract, which will make him uh, more attractive, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at his stats now. I mean, from 2008 to 2014, except for in 2009, he's pitched over 200 innings. Um, ERA at three or just below it so far this year. Um, he's doing really well with a 291 ERA. 76 Ks and 74.1 innings. I mean, that's obviously going to get people calling uh, Ruben Amaro. Um, it just seems like the people throw out the deals or the trades and don't want to give up much, even though you're still getting probably one of the best pitchers in the game that is, you know, like available to be traded for and like will make a huge impact on your team in the late run. But like you said, you don't think he'll be moved until the offseason when it would be more prime for other teams to get him? Yeah, as far as his price tag goes, um, the Red Sox seem like the best fit because they have the exact type of prospects that fit the Phillies and the level of prospects that they would want. But there had been various reports throughout the year that, well, no, we won't include Mookie Betts. No, we won't include Blake Swihart. No, we won't include Manuel Margot. No, we won't include Eduardo Rodriguez. So it's like, well, if you don't want to give up anyone, you don't really want Cole Hamels. So unless the Red Sox, uh, you know, loosen their grip on their prospects, and I don't think we'll see a move there. Uh, other teams that might be interested, I could see like the Dodgers. They don't, they don't have that much uh, reliability in their rotation as far as health goes beyond Kershaw and Grinky. And don't get me wrong, it's a terrific one-two, but you do need a five-man rotation to get through the season and to get into the playoffs. And you need a four-man rotation to get through the NLDS. So I think they could definitely jump into the bidding war there. The Astros are interesting since they're uh, doing much better than I think even they thought they'd be. Uh, Hamels will be a big boost to that otherwise like mediocre rotation. Oh, yeah, for real. 
Um, is it just me or does everyone want to trade with the Red Sox? It seems like the Red Sox have this magical farm system that everyone wants to trade with, and the Red Sox are saying, no, we don't want to trade with it. We don't want to give up anybody, but they ended up trading with the Red Sox anyway. I think it's a combination of uh, a few things. They hype up their prospects very well. Whoever's doing their marketing is is a genius. Uh, also, there are some uh, prospect writers who are a bit too, uh, I don't want to say biased, because that word is thrown about like way too much. Homery? Uh, yeah, homery uh, is a decent word. Uh, basically, they're a little bit overrating the Red Sox farm system. It's good. Uh, I would say it's on par with like the Astros or uh, maybe a little above the Dodgers. Um, but there are definitely other teams that match up with the Phillies. The reason why they're linked with the Phillies so often is because the Phillies need uh, a minor league catcher with promise, which they don't cur- currently have aside from uh, Debbie Gruon, uh, who's at the lower levels of the minors. So like a Blake Swihart would really be a big boost to the system. Um, they do have some outfield prospects, but none with the ceiling of a Mookie Betts. So that's why Mookie Betts was always uh, included. And you can never have too many outfield prospects as it is. So I think that's why you hear the Red Sox and the Phillies linked together so often. Right, right. I could see that. I, that's thank you for that explanation. That actually uh, very enlightening to me. Um, you got anything else to ask, Connor? Um, off the top of my head, not really. All right. Well, um, we want to thank you so much, Bill, for coming on. We uh, we really do appreciate it. Where can we find you and your stuff? Anything you want to plug coming down the pipeline? Uh, sure. If you want to follow me on Twitter, um, at bear underscore bill, and my last name is spelled B-A-E-R. Uh, it's not like the animal. I get that <laughs> misspelling all the time. Uh, if you want to read my Philly stuff, it's at crashburnalley.com. Uh, I write for Hardball Talk at NBC Sports and also for Photo World at NBC Sports, so you can check me out there. Okay, awesome. And you have a book out too, don't you? 101 Things... I did. Uh, that actually came out a couple of years ago. If you can find it in the clearance section at your bookstore, <laughs> feel free to pick it up. It might be like a buck or two. It's uh, called 100 Things Phillies Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. I actually went to Cooperstown this past December, and it was being sold in the Cooperstown store at the museum. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, uh, I did not know that. Yeah, our, our, our very own uh, Dan Connolly just wrote his Orioles version of it, so I, I felt like it would be appropriate to bring it up in a... Uh, push yourself a little bit. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and uh, it seems like there's been a few more of them released, like uh, Susan Slosser had hers for the Athletics release this year as well, so there's definitely a bunch more coming down the pipeline in that series. Oh, yeah, uh, I need to get around to reading uh, the Dodgers book that came out, The Best Team Money Can Buy. I'm really interested Uh, in that one. And as far as we're talking about books, there's a really good one out. I want to pimp for uh, Travis Travis Solchik, who's a Pirates beat writer. Uh, I forget exactly what the book's called. I should have actually looked that up. <laughs> uh, let me look look that up real quick. That way, I don't get it wrong. Go for it. So basically, the Pirates. Uh, it, oh, it's called Big Data Baseball. So the Pirates were one of the teams that really utilizes. Uh, defensive shifting, and it turned their franchise around over the last couple of years. Dan Fox was a former uh, writer for Baseball Prospectus, so he brought his knowledge of stats over to the Pirates, and he said, oh, you know, uh, maybe if we use more defensive shifts, we could save runs. They couldn't otherwise update, uh, upgrade their roster because they didn't have the payroll for it. So that's kind of what Solchik's book is about, and if you're into stats, in any level, uh, I definitely recommend that. Oh yeah, I, I'll definitely check it out now. Um, it, it's uh, just it, it's always great to to read things like that because it definitely gives you a different look at things and how things are done behind the scenes, which is always insightful in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, um, I think that wraps up the show for now. You can find me at uh, the other underscore or the. Un- I believe I can't. I can never remember my Twitter handle. I have this problem, Bill. Uh, it's. <laughs> I I hate that I ha- I have this problem, but. Um, oh, don't worry. I, I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. So. <laughs> I am at the underscore other Cody. You can follow me on Twitter there. And Connor, where can we find you? Um, you can find me at Connor underscore Gersio. 
um, if you can spell that, I'm really impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I should have something coming out on BSR uh, within the next few days. Just a heads up on that. You got anything coming out, Connor? I just released the post today about um, Deaza being traded to the Boston Red Sox for a guy named Joe Gunkel, I think. <laughs> I, I, if that's his real name, if that's even a real person. Another example of the Red Sox magic farm system. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, again, Bill, thank you so much for coming on, and we'd love to have you on again. Sure. Thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. All right. Awesome. All right. We'll see you guys next week.